Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyer, your host. Recently, Pope Francis, and once again, made some statements off the cuff, and then later on, made official. That's always what happens. He'll make statements off the cuff in interviews with media and different venues, and then there is the official statement. They sort of clean it up a bit or tweak it, tighten it up, and always with his approval. Whenever we speak off the cuff, whether it's the Pope or anybody, we sometimes use words that we wouldn't normally use in a more precise or official statement. You know, that happens just the way we speak. doesn't mean we're saying something wrong. It's just a matter of speaking. It's a little more casual and it's off the cuff. So the Pope does come back and tighten up what he says off the cuff when he makes an official translation or statement about it. And this happens often with Pope Francis. It's just his, just his way. It's just how he is. Every Pope is unique. They bring their own gifts and character and personality to the papacy, and that's what makes it interesting and unique. So the Holy Father, Pope Francis, made a comment about marriages recently. First, it was off the cuff, which of course got a lot of reaction as always, but then it was slightly modified for his official statement. Officially, this is what he said. He's talking about the problem of whether most marriages or many marriages or even some marriages throughout the Christian world, especially the Catholic world, are in fact valid, or could they be theoretically made null? Now, I know that statement can take us back, but this is what he said. The reason is, it's because so many couples today come with an attitude of marriage being, he called it, provisional. And because of this, the great majority of our sacramental marriages are null, the Pope says, because they say yes for the rest of my life, but they don't know what they are saying. Because they have a different culture, they say it. They have goodwill, but they don't know. Pope Francis attributed the marriage crisis to people who, quote, don't know what the sacrament is and don't know the beauty of the sacrament. They don't know that it's indissoluble. They don't know that it's for your entire life. It's hard, the Pope said. And he gives other kinds of examples of 
people, not only with marriage, but also with religious vocation, who see it as provisional. In fact, he recounted a story about a man who came to a bishop that he knows, and he said to the bishop, I would like to consider priesthood, but maybe only for about 10 years. <laughs> now, we might laugh at that as I am, might be taken aback by that, but the Pope is noticing that in our day and age, we have this growing, what he called, he used the word provisionalism. In other words, something is just for a while, it has provisions. I'm going to do this, but just for a while. I'll try this, but it may not be permanent, may not be forever, and I can get out of it and go on to something else, something better or somebody better. And this is indeed a very, very serious matter in the church, and it ties in with this whole subject of annulments. Do we give annulments too frequently, too easily? Why are there so many annulments being applied for in the church? The Pope, although he says things off the cuff that sometimes make us raise an eyebrow, but eventually, again, it gets tweaked into a more precise statement. Even though he says these things, and in particular this statement about marriage, he touches upon something vitally important. In fact, he's very concerned about marriage and family, as we are here at Light of the East. Marriage and family are everything. That's why the Pope had a synod on the family. He's come out with a whole statement on it. And what he's concerned about, to a large degree, is this sacramental understanding of marriage. In the East and in the West, there's, a, of course, a similar understanding and theology of marriage. But there are differences differences in approach. But as always, we come at something from different perspectives, but we arrive at the same point, and that is the indissolubility and sanctity of marriage. That marriage is a sacrament, or you might call it in the Eastern Church, a mystery. Mystery, of course, means a meeting point of heaven and earth, something from heaven happening with something on earth. That's basically what mystery means, something revealed, something of the next life that is beyond us, that we know it's there, but it's beyond us. We can't explain it fully. At the same time, it is something here, something that we actually experience in our situation on earth, in our incarnate situation on earth. In other words, God incarnates himself in his creation and in the church, and especially through the sacraments of the church. So the sacraments or mysteries are a meeting point, a meeting point of heaven and earth. That's why they're so indispensable for our lives and why there's so much the structure of the church. In the Eastern approach to marriage, there is some theological emphasis that's a little bit different than the West. And again, whenever we talk about differences, we talk about them in terms of emphasis or perspective. Both the Eastern and Western lungs of the church are concerned about how people approach marriage today. I once heard a kind of lawyer say, and this was years ago already, he actually preempted the Pope. And by the way, what the Pope said, his statement is concerned, is something that I've been saying as well for years. So the canon lawyer, and also myself, said that you could almost make a case, theoretically speaking, not that we actually believe this or would do it, but it is worthy of thought that you can almost make a case, theoretically, that 90% of marriages that occur in the modern Western civilizations can be annulled. Not that they should be, but they can be theoretically. And that's what the Pope was saying. Now, when he said it, many people got up in arms, but they have to understand him more deeply. He was actually spot on with something, something very dear to us in the Eastern churches as well. And what I mean by that, and what I mean, and what my kind of lawyer friend meant, is that marriage, for it to be truly sacramental, a couple has to come to it with as much of a sacramental understanding of that sacrament as possible. In other words, you have to come to the sacrament of marriage with certain things 
You also have to come to the sacrament of marriage without certain things. So there's certain things you can bring to the marriage that are not good, that militate against its sacredness, its sacramentality. And there are things that you may not bring that are missing that help to make that bond truly sacramental. So marriage is not just any emotional bond. It's not just two people coming together in front of a priest or a minister or chaplain or somebody in Las Vegas and saying, I do. Marriage is about our entrance into something and our mutual transformation. It's about our growth and holiness. And so the church takes it very, very seriously. And marriage was entrusted to the church. Marriage, in fact, is the primordial sacrament. The Bible begins with nuptials, with the union of Adam and Eve, and the command to be fruitful, to multiply. So we see the unitive and the procreative dimensions of marriage, of man and woman coming together right there at the very beginning. And the Bible ends in marriage with nuptials, describing heaven as the wedding feast of the Lamb with the whole bride and bridegroom image, Christ the bridegroom and we the bride. And in between, the whole spousal mystery is woven throughout Revelation, throughout the Scripture, especially in the person of Jesus Christ, in the Eucharist, the Last Supper, his death and resurrection. This actually is Christ's union, his mystical marriage with his bride, the world, creation, which comes to his perfection in the church. So the spells of mystery, as St. John Paul II refers to it, is really like the DNA of the whole created order. So marriage is essential, and the church has been entrusted with this particular sacrament as it has been with the other sacraments. There are seven in total. Marriage is a, the sacrament of particular interest and of concern today, as we hear from Pope Francis. So what makes a couple come to the sacrament of marriage, or the mystery of marriage, as we call it in the Eastern churches, with a truly sacramental understanding? Can they ever do that? Well, as I mentioned, it's very hard. As the Pope said, it's difficult given our culture, because we're products of our culture. We grew up in a certain soil, you know, like a plant. You know, plant is only as good as the soil it grows in. Same thing with us. We can add many good ingredients to our lives, but the very soil that we grow up in, psychologically, spiritually speaking, socially speaking, is very, very important. And the soil we grow up in, in modern Western culture today, is one that, as the Pope said, tends to be provisional about things. It tends to emphasize feelings and preferences tends to be narcissistic. It tends to be idealistic and overly romantic like Hollywood. It tends to want to avoid the cross and the sacrifices that come with the cross, which we cannot escape in Christian life. So a lot militates against couples wanting to be married. And if they themselves understand marriage, even if they themselves come to it with the right intention, there is a challenge for them because of the culture that they are in. So the church reaches out to them, it tries to teach them, show them with marriage preparation. But even that, as the Pope himself said in one of his statements, he said that even marriage preparation is a problem today. It is not sufficient. And once again, I agree very closely with the Pope because marriage preparation really begins from conception, from birth, from the very existence of a human being that comes into this world. Because its whole life has to be one where it learns and grows in a sacramental understanding of life. 
And this is its whole life long. It has to do this its whole life long. And this is what brings someone into marriage with the right ingredients and also without anything that's foreign to the sacrament of marriage. And we're going to talk more about this in relation to the Eastern form of marriage when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. In Homer Glen, Illinois, lies an award-winning 10-acre restored prairie which surrounds Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. The prairie brings peace and tranquility to the surrounding neighborhood and where the children can play, find nature, and experience the meaning of serenity just beyond their backyard. We celebrate the prairie with all the things it brings, Friday through Saturday, August 12th through the 14th. I'm Father Thomas Loya, and I'm inviting you to the best ever Prairie Prairie Fest. Fest. During these three days, you can enjoy great bands like 16 Candles, Infinity, Nick Lynch, and Polka with Polka Generation. Here's just a taste of what you'll hear. Also at Prairie Fest, see the Brazilian dancers, the Elite Dance Academy, and the Polish Highland dancers. There will be ethnic and festival food with a beer garden, raffles, children's games, prairie and church tours, plus a grand cash raffle with over $12,000 in total prizes. You can even learn how to paint a picture of the prairie from master artist father Thomas Sloyer while sipping some wine in the wine art studio. Prairie Fest, Friday through Saturday, August 12th through the 14th. Prairie Fest at Annunciation Parish, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Complete details, visit ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, We're talking about marriage in light of the Pope's recent statements about questioning the validity of many, many marriages simply because it is very difficult for people to come today, for people to come to marriage with what is called the sacramental understanding of it. And that's a necessary ingredient for a truly valid marriage. And the church can help us with that. And if we look at the ritual of the church, it has much to teach us. First of all, as always, in the church, there is a certain rhythm it takes towards everything. It's a very healthy rhythm, and this is especially true in the Eastern churches. That healthy rhythm is, I'm going to use the term, a bell curve. There's always an introduction, a kind of a moving into something, and that moving in has a tendency to rise until you come to the actual climactic moment, the actual service or sacrament itself. Then there's a coming out of it, a falling action. So think of it as a bell curve, rising up, topping off, and then gradually coming out of it. This is a very healthy rhythm. 
And the church uses that in her approach to many things, especially the sacraments. Part of the rising action of the sacrament of marriage in the Eastern churches is the ceremony of engagement. That's right, we actually have a separate ceremony for engagement. It's called betrothal. This is a very serious thing. It actually involves rings and a promise. It's a brief ceremony. In fact, in the current actual marriage ceremony in the Eastern churches, this part of the the ceremony of the rings was actually borrowed from this engagement ceremony. It also got entered into, or in a sense repeated, in the marriage ceremony. But originally, it was a separate ceremony and still can be in the Eastern churches, the betrothal or engagement ceremony. As I mentioned, it involves exchange of rings, and the priest blesses those rings, and he says this, Eternal God, you have united those who were alone and instituted an indissoluble bond of love and marriage for them. You blessed Isaac and Rebekah and made them heirs to your promise. Now bless these your servants, directing them in every good deed, For you are a merciful God who loves mankind. We glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. And then there's one more prayer. O Lord our God, who espoused the church as a pure virgin from among the Gentile nations, bless this engagement and unite and keep these your servants in peace and oneness of mind. For to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is due all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. And then... He blesses each one with the respective rings and says the servant of God, for instance, the the groom, is engaged to the servant of God, the bride, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, he'll repeat this with the wedding rings, only he'll say the servant of God is, is, is espoused, not just engaged, but espoused to the servant of God, so and so. So, there's two similar ceremonies, both binding. So, the engagement ceremony is a binding ceremony. You're not fully married, but you are very much promised. And this is part of that rising action towards the actual climactic moment of the sacrament of marriage itself. In the Russian Orthodox tradition, one of the Eastern churches of the Eastern Lung of the Church, the long ancient tradition was for a couple to basically treat their engagement time as a monastic novitiate. In other words, they, of course, were to be chaste. They were supposed to be leading a life of prayer so that when they actually came to marriage, they actually were already practicing something essential to a happy marriage. And this is going to sound a little strange, but that essential element is monasticism. That's right. A monastic novitiate is how the engagement period was seen in the traditions of some Eastern churches. And that is because monasticism, which is part of the soul of the Eastern churches, carries with it that sense of seriousness about our baptismal promise, about our personal holiness, about, when you can write down to it, dying to ourself, saying no to ourself, and deferring to the needs of the other, and to becoming our best authentic selves. This is what monasticism is. And those of you who are married, especially for any length of time, you know well that that is the key to your happy marriage, that deferential love for the other. And that actually is the element of monasticism within marriage. 
So the Eastern churches unite in a very integrated way the vocation of monasticism with its celibacy and the vocation of marriage. They actually subsist in each other. Now, when we come to the actual marriage ceremony, the theology of marriage in the Eastern churches is one, not so much of a covenant between the two that the church is a witness to. There is that element, and it's very strong in the Western church. In the Eastern church, the stronger emphasis is on the couple and the relationship being entered into something, transformed participation. But those are words you find all the time in Eastern theology to everything. Entrance, participation, immersion, transformation. And this is why in the ceremony itself, which always expresses a theology, the couple stand together, not separate, together in the back of the church. They're met there by the priest, and they will be escorted by the priest together. The father does not give the bride away in the custom of many Eastern marriages. That is a custom that is sometimes allowed or modified into the Eastern practice in the modern Western world, but per se, it's not really a part of the Eastern ritual of marriage. So the couple is led down the aisle into the church by the priest, but before they start out, the priest will ask them, each one respectively, have you come here freely to take one another to be your spouse. That essentially are the vows in the Eastern ritual of marriage. There are not, per se, the full-blown vows as we're often accustomed to hearing in many churches and even in the secular world. You know, I take you to be my wife, to honor, to love, to obey, etc. We can use those, but it's not necessary because the vows are essentially taken right there at the beginning where they promise in front of everyone And everyone witnesses, they promise to accept each other freely, important, freely, to be husband and wife forever. Then after that promise, as I mentioned, they process in. As they process in, the two of them are standing in the middle of the church towards the front. In many Slavic Eastern churches, they're standing what's called the tetrapod. It's just a fancy name for a table, a multi-purpose liturgical-type table. It's in the front center of the church. On that table are the rings and the candle and the gospel book. And something very special, the crowns, the crowns that would be used to crown this couple in marriage. The priest will then face the altar. The couple is facing the altar. They're facing east. And he'll do some very special prayers, very lengthy prayers, which mention many of the wonderful couples from the Old Testament and their marriages and how we connect our own marriage here with marriage as it was throughout the the scripture. As I mentioned, marriage is that biblical primordial sacrament. Think about it. It's one of the first things God commanded us to do was to get married and have children. Remember? He said it to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Then comes the blessing and bestowal of the rings. Now they already have the engagement rings. Now it's the wedding rings. And then there are the readings. And in the Byzantine tradition, the reading for marriage has to do with the wedding at Cana from John's Gospel. And Ephesians 5, the famous Ephesians 5 that talks about men and women being deferential to one another in Christ, the woman being submissive to the husband, the husband in turn respecting and loving his wife. Now, we'll get to that perhaps today, maybe in another program, because it deserves a lot more explanation to today's ears and mind. 
But that is the only reading you get. You do not get a choice of readings in the Eastern liturgies. It's only Ephesians 5 and John chapter 2, the story of the wedding at Cana. The next most significant moment in the ritual of marriage in the Eastern churches is that of the crowning. And this is the most distinctive thing. The crowns, they can be made of various things. Sometimes they're something like a wreath. Sometimes they look like full-blown crowns that a king and queen would wear. Sometimes they look like a tiara. I usually give the couples a choice. I have those three models and they can choose. And the crowning has several meanings. It dates back to the time when the Byzantine Empire entrusted all marriages to the church. And the sacraments always include Eucharist and also the belief in the church and the sacraments. But some people did not believe in them. Some people were not part of the church and they still had to be married by the church according to the emperor in the Byzantine Empire. So the church had to come up with a way to still do this without compromising the integrity of the sacrament. So it came up with what they call crowning. So even if one of the persons being married was not a full believer and therefore could not receive Eucharist, they were crowned in marriage. The crowns became the substitute for that. And the crowns have several meanings. First of all, they're the crowns of martyrdom. We speak of martyrs being crowned. And as I mentioned earlier, marriage requires martyrdom. Martyrdom means any kind of dying to self, rising to our true self on behalf of another. And it also includes the symbol of the husband and wife becoming a king and queen of a new creation of their household. It harkens back to Genesis, where Adam and Eve were king and queen of the garden of paradise of creation. Finally, in the crowning, there comes the procession three times around the tetrapod while the choir sings a very special hymn. Three times the couple walks because this is their first walk together as husband and wife and it is a walk into the very life of the Trinity led by the priest. This is why they do it three times. There's much more to the ritual and theology of marriage in Eastern churches that can be helpful to us in this world of so much provisionalism, as the Pope said. And we'll talk about that another time. Thanks for listening today. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.